Okay, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Today being the second Shabbat before Passover um, and the last one before that I will be speaking on, I'm going to speak on on Passover. And so, because I know you're such a fan of speaking on the festivals. <laughs> yeah. So I figured we'd just do our Passover message now, is basically what I'm, what I'm saying. So um, if you want to turn to Exodus, we're going to start there. And um, what I want to basically do is go over the story of the Exodus. We're going to go into the New Testament and hopefully tie together this theme or this idea that the Bible puts forth <coughs> where God calls... Israel, his son, Israel, his firstborn, because it's a really important theme uh, when it comes to tying together so many of the um, teachings throughout the Bible in God's salvation plan for his people, leading all the way up to Yeshua dying for us on the cross and him being the Lamb of God, because it goes all the way back to Abraham. And so we're going to look through all these passages, we're going to read the Passover story, we're going to talk about it and kind of cover it. Nothing that I haven't covered necessarily before, but we're basically going to do it again because it's Passover. So you're, you're, I feel like, uh, you know, growing up, you got your, your yearly Christmas and Easter message and it was just, yeah, you're right. And so same thing um, that we're doing here basically, but it's Passover, which is really cool because praise God, we don't celebrate all those holidays anymore. And it's neat, I remember when we first started keeping Passover and the biblical holidays, I remember so vividly thinking, wow, we are living and doing what's in the Bible. It was so, I don't know, revolutionary, I guess you might say. It was just like, yeah, it just, you know, you, it gave you a tangible connection to the Word and to God's people all the way up until now, and this tangible familial connection to Israel, to the people of God, to the land, uh, to these prophetic books and scripture and everything that would be happened, whereas before you were just kind of this isolated no man's group, the church, whatever that was, that was just kind of biding its time, going, got zapped out of its shoes. And uh, so we know better now. <laughs> Praise God, not of our own strength. Okay, so uh, let's pray real quick and then we'll get into this. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and this day and this Shabbat and this time that we get to, get to gather together to study your word. Uh, help us to learn from it. And as we come into this season of Passover and unleavened bread, that we would uh, be, pre be preparing our hearts and minds as um, we remember back what you did for us delivering your people out of Egypt and also what Yeshua did for us on the cross and uh, that we get to remember that every year and uh, uh, may you be quickly and soon when you regather us again from out of the nations from which we've been scattered. Amen. Okay, so first thing I want to go to is Exodus chapter 4. So you have the whole story where we start is in the book of Exodus, and leading up to that is the whole story of God's 
people, basically. It, and it all starts in the beginning with Adam and Eve. And, and then you follow the generations of those who have trusted and followed on God through this familial uh, hierarchy within uh, the patriarchs, as we call it. You get Noah, you, you know, you get all the generations to Noah, and then from Noah, it, it leads up into Abraham, and then you get to Abraham. And Abraham is the paradigm of, of uh, God's people, our father Abraham. He becomes the first Hebrew. He left where he was. He crossed over into God's land and adopted now this new way of living with God, uh, and not really new, but um, you know he was going to be the, the the father of the of God's people, and so that, all that leads up to Exodus, where the people eventually go down into Israel. Eventually, goes out into um, first. Um, Yeah, I know they go down into Egypt, but uh, why can I not think of his name? Uh, the guy who goes down into Egypt. I'm having a total mind cramp. Jacob? Nope, the brother. Joseph. Oh, my word. I could not get that in the life of me. Joseph, his brothers. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, who gets renamed Israel, has 12 sons. They sell Joseph, who was the firstborn of Rachel, which was the favorite wife, gets sold into slavery down in Egypt. And it was actually God's plan for him to go down there to prepare to be able to save his people when famine came to the land. And also for God, as he had prophesied to um, Jacob that they would be in, I'm sorry, Abraham, that they would be in bondage down there for 400 years, but God would redeem them out and deliver them, take them out, take them to the mountain, as he told uh, Moses, give them the Torah, bring them to the promised land, and all would be happily ever after, which it really wasn't, unfortunately. So that's the story, basically, that we're getting into. But this picture that happens in this exodus with the Passover is a um, I hesitate to word, use the word because it's used so often, but is kind of this paradigm or this picture of how God delivers his people. And it uses, God, God uses his word to teach in stories and to teach in pictures and actions how he works corporately and individually with his people. So what I want us to see is uh, what is in Exodus chapter 4, and we're going to read in... Um, for 22. So Moses is going to Pharaoh, and he's saying, let my people go. And so he's got the, the, hand, the, the rod in his hand, and he's telling uh, Moses, let's, let's back up to verse 20. Um, actually, let's look at 19. And Yehovah said unto Moses and Midian, go, return to Egypt. For all of the men are dead which sought thy life. And Moses took his wife, his sons, set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Dun, dun, dun. And Jehovah Ye said unto Moses, When thou goest to return unto Egypt, see that thou do all these wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand. But I will harden his heart, and he will not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith Jehovah, Israel is my son even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. 
So there is the premise of all that happens in Egypt. He's going to go. He's going to redeem his son out of Egypt. And we have to pay close attention to these types of things because it's, it's a prophetic thing also because Yeshua, who uh, when, when he was born, his life was sought after by the leaders, uh, the Roman leaders of the day. And so the angel came to Joseph and Miriam in a dream, Joseph in a dream, and said, hey, go down to Egypt because they're going to, they're going to slay all the firstborn sons trying to find Yeshua. Hide out in Egypt and then come back up out of Egypt when it's safe and when it's time. And he does that and thus Yeshua fulfills all of these scriptures because he is this firstborn son as we're going to see. And, and so are all those who are purchased by the blood of the Lamb. So you get these themes that when you pull them all together throughout the scripture, you see this plan of salvation of God's people who are his Firstborn son. All right, now let's go with that backdrop. Let's go to Exodus. Dun, 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 dun. Can't get that song out of my head. Exodus 11. Um, and we're going to read most of this because... It's hard to do it justice otherwise. And it's really important. So we're going to read 11 and 12. And Jehovah said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one more plague upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt, and afterwards he will let you go hence. And when he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people. Let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And Jehovah gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt and in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. And Moses said, Thus saith Jehovah, about midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn of the land of Egypt shall die. And the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of the beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye may know how that Jehovah doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. In all these thy servants shall come down unto thee, uh, unto me and bow themselves unto me, saying, Get thee out, and all the people that follow thee, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in a great anger. And Jehovah, there's a beginning of Moses' temper. <laughs> and Jehovah said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh. And Jehovah hardened Pharaoh's heart, so that the whole, so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Jehovah said unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, "This month shall be unto you the beginning of months; it shall be the first month of the year unto you." So there you have the beginning of the new year for the people of God. And it is established right there. It is not uh, what's traditionally known as, known as Rosh Hashanah, which uh, traditional Judaism calls Yom, Yom Teruah. They call it Rosh Hashanah or the New Year. Actually, that is a, uh, 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 whatever. A, that's something that was, was continued or adopted 
from Babylon. It was not actually a biblical thing. When the people came back from Babylon, that was when the Babylonian year began. And so they adopted that, and they even ab- adopted the Babylonian months. And so some people you'll hear say that this is the month of, um, the month of Nisan, uh, but it's actually the month of Aviv. So a lot of the months that you hear, they'll say, uh, if you listen to anything, you know, rabbinic Judaism, when they use the months of the year, those are all Babylonian. They're actually not. Sometimes the Bible does use those names, but it's in context of around the Babylonian captivity. As far as the Bible's concerned, there's the month of Aviv, and then there's month 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and sometimes 13. Anyway, so you get the first month of the year. Verse 3, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month shall you take to them every man a lamb according to the house uh, of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor take unto his house, take it according to the number, um, uh, him and his neighbor next unto a house, take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make you count for the lamb. <coughs> Your count, sorry. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, for you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, and they shall, t- they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts of, and on the upper door posts of the house wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roasted with fire and with unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his he- head with his legs, and with the p- pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is Yehovah's Passover. So another important point to make here is the lamb is, it's called the Paschal lamb or the Passover lamb. The day that we typically call Passover is, it's not technically called Passover. It, the, the Passover is the lamb. The 14th day is just the 14th day of the month. We tend to call the 14th day of the month of Aviv, the first month of the biblical calendar, uh, Passover. But technically it's not. It is, it is just the 14th day. And you eat the Passover. And the reason it's called the Passover is because God is, God's going to, as we're going to read, God's going to pass over their houses because the blood of that lamb is on the doorpost as a sign that they... Uh, trust in God as their redeemer, and because that lamb dies on their behalf, and we're gonna—that's gonna actually be tied back into Abraham and Isaac uh, on Mount Moriah, which is just all. When you start to think about all this stuff, it's just mind blowing because Mount Moriah is where eventually the temple was built, and um, all these things. So it's really cool. Anyway, keep going. 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am Yehovah. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to Yehovah throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by ordinance forever. So there we have the establishment as Passover as a 
feast that is to be held forever throughout your generations, which, as best as I understand, that means for all time. <laughs> it doesn't just magically end when Yeshua shows up. 15. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even on the first day shall you put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And on the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. No matter manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, uh, that only may be done of you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Wherefore, you shall observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. So you have the 14th day, which the Passover lamb would be uh, killed, prepared, blood on the door. You eat it that evening with your soles on, shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand. That night, early morning, is when, on the 15th day of the month, is when Israel was uh, taken up out of Egypt. And so that, that marks the first day of unleavened bread, which is the 15th of that. So, and that's a seven day, seven day week, that unleavened week of unleavened bread. And so the first day and the last day, the seventh day are days that are, um, uh, festival days and there's no work done on those days. Uh, 18. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month at even, you shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even. Seven days there shall be found, uh, there shall be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. And you shall eat nothing leaven in all your habitations shall you eat unleavened bread. And uh, 21. Uh, then Moses called for the elders of Israel, saying unto them, Draw out and take a lamb according to your families, and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, and dip in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lentil and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out, of the, go out at the door of this house until morning. For Yehovah shall, uh, shall pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood... Upon the lintel and upon the two side posts, Yehovah will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. So they were supposed to take this lamb, which was going to stand in substitution for them, the firstborn of Israel, uh, to uh, my son Israel, it was going to stand in substitution for them so that God didn't slay their firstborn sons. And so they would take the lamb up to their door and they would slay it there. And the blood would be in the basin, which was at their doorstep. And then they would take it and they would put it on the two side posts and upon the lintel. And then they would go. Uh, and, and so this is an idea picture of a sacrifice of this lamb, which was dying on their behalf. And they put it on the blood and then they entered into the, in, through the door. Yeshua says, I am the door, and he's also the lamb. And they would go into the house, God's house, because as it says later in, in John, uh, the sun dwells in the house. And so they would go into the houses that were protected and covered by the blood, uh, and that signified that they were his people who believed and trusted in him, and the destroyer would not come in and kill them. And so you have this beautiful picture of, of, God, people, of God saving his people. And uh, it's going to tie into Yeshua later on. 
Uh, and let's see. 25. And it shall come to pass, when ye be come to the land which Jehovah will give you, according as he hath promised, that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass, when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That ye shall say, It is a sacrifice of Jehovah's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed their head and worshipped. And the children of Israel went away and did as Jehovah had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. And it came to pass that at midnight Jehovah smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up! And get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go, serve Jehovah as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said, and be gone, and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent with the people, that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, and their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And Jehovah gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent upon them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 on foot, that were men besides children. And a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks and herds, even very much cattle. And they baked unleavened cakes of dough, that which they brought forth out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry, neither had they prepared for themselves any victuals. Now the journey of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to the pass at the end of 430 years, even the self-same day, came to pass that all the hosts of Israel I'm sorry, all the hosts of Jehovah went out from among the land, out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be much observed unto Jehovah for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of Jehovah to be observed for all the children of Israel in their generations. And Jehovah said unto Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof, but every man's servant that is brought from, bought for money. When thou hast circumcised him, then shall he eat thereof. A foreigner and a hired servant shall not eat thereof. In one house shall it be eaten. Thou shalt not carry forth aught of the flesh abroad out of the house, neither shall ye break a bone thereof. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it, and one a stranger shall sojourn with thee, and will keep the Passover of Jehovah. Let all his males be circumcised, and let him come near and keep it, and he shall be as one that is born in the land. For no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. One law shall be to him that is homeborn, and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. Thus did all the children of Israel, as they commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. And it came to pass on the selfsame day that Jehovah did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies. So those verses uh, 48 and 49 are really important because it says, One a stranger shall sojourn with thee and will keep the Passover of Yehovah. Let all his males be circumcised and come near and keep it. And he shall be as one born in the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. And there's one law for him and the homeborn. This is a whole idea of, there's a whole bunch of things tied up in here. But So it is this Passover that he, this Passover sacrifices that he takes part in, 
and he is circumcised with all the males of his family because he is recognizing that God, just like he redeemed his people out of the land of Egypt with this lamb that died on their behalf, he is also accepting and taking this covenant that God has given a lamb for him, for whoever of these strangers are all of time that God has provided a lamb to redeem him from the death of the firstborn so that he can enter again through that blood-soaked door into the house and people of God and be a child of God and be born again as a child of God because it was only the firstborn of Israel that came out. And so for all those who want to join themselves with Israel, they partake in this Passover uh, and that and that basically is the initiation, initiation ceremony, so to speak, of them being part of the people of Israel. And which is so important, too, when you think about Yeshua being our Passover, that it's really the same thing. It was he who was put for his people and died for their sins so that they could be um, part of God's family uh, because only a perfect sacrifice can die and cleanse the sins of people. And so that's why you have these beautiful pictures all through Scripture. And so then when this person partakes of the Passover and they become one with the homeborn, they are a new citizen. And so, of course, they're going to keep all the laws and customs and ordinances and traditions of the the people of God. And so are we, basically, is what I'm saying. Okay, so now, so we've read the whole story. Let's go to um, Genesis 20. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, Genesis 22. And verse 18. So you have the whole story of Abraham and Isaac, how Isaac's the miraculous promised son that comes, his only son, and he takes, God says, all right, now I want you to take him and sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. And so Abraham is obedient, and he does it. Uh, And they talked about later on that he had faith knowing that God could raise him up even from the dead if he so chose. And so in 22.18, we're going to read here. Oh, no. Oh, no, I'm sorry, 22.8. Okay, good. So let's back up a little bit. Let's start in uh, 6, 22.6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they both of them, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spoke unto his, Abraham his father and said, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My God, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. I found that so fascinating that Abraham knew or trusted or believed whatever that God himself would provide a lamb for the burnt offering. And what's interesting is you can really read it uh, both ways, that God will provide a lamb or God will provide himself a lamb, i.e. he is the lamb that will die on behalf of the firstborn of his promised people. Does that, can you kind of see these pictures? 
And so a very prophetic picture that Yeshua is that lamb which died in the place of the firstborn. And God himself provided it, this perfect lamb, so that the people can be uh, redeemed and be his people out of slavery, out of bondage. Because Egypt is a picture, it's even built into the name of pressure or oppression and captivity and bondage. And it's really a picture of uh, slavery to sin and, and the world system and God taking his people out of that, his, his firstborn Israel, bringing them out of that miraculously by his own provision, something he can only do, bringing them to the mountain and then giving them a new life and a new culture and a new way to live. So now let's go to John chapter 1. Genesis 22, verse 8. The binding of Isaac. Or the Akita. Okay, and so in John, chapter 1, verse 29. This is John the Immerser, John the Baptist. And the next day John seeth Yeshua coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Pretty cool, bold statement. So he even he knew he was the lamb because, again, if you picture Egypt as the world and um, that death of that lamb which purified God's people Israel so that they could be taken out, Yeshua is the lamb God himself provided on behalf of his firstborn. Yeshua is the firstborn. So, and then if you go to verse 36 of John chapter 1, or starting 5, Again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Yeshua as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And so he knew he was the Lamb. And then let's go to John 8. So let's start in verse 30. As he spoke these words, many believed on him. Then said Yeshua to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to any man. What sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Yeshua answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. In other words, you have to be saved. You have to be born again into the family of God as his firstborn, as a son, because the son abides in the house forever and is free. But the servant, servant of sin, servant in Egypt, uh, does not abide in the house. They die in Egypt with the, the other non-firstborn people. And so anybody within all of time in the world 
is a servant, born a servant of sin, is about to be redeemed out of that. You must be, uh, you must accept that God's provision of the Lamb of God to die on your behalf, to take away your sin, to be the firstborn. And now we'll wrap it up in John 17. I'll read. This is, this is in between. I believe he's actually on the Mount of Olives here, or the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, this is between basically when Yeshua has his Passover Seder with his disciples and he's going to be betrayed and crucified. And it's his final prayer unto his father. So let's read it. It's really good. 17. These words spake Yeshua and lifted up his eyes to heaven and saying, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. And thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, that the only true God and Yeshua Messiah, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on earth, and I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I was manifest in thy name unto them, unto men, which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and, they, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are mine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I am come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name, and those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray that thou shouldest take I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word, that they may all be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with thee where I am, 
that they may behold my glory, which thou gavest, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. So just such a cool prayer. I just love how God, Yeshua, talks about him teaching them and giving them his word and saving them and preserving them, and he does the same thing for us. And uh, so hopefully this has been, I don't know, good uh, to go back through the story of the Passover and uh, seeing this theme that God uses of his saving of his people through all time, through his son, the perfect lamb of God, and how he purchases them, and uh, that there is uh, one law for the homeborn and the stranger who is circumcised in their heart and uh, accepts this Passover lamb in their lives, that they would be, be saved and be part of the family of God. And then what happens after salvation, after being delivered out of Egypt, delivered from slavery to sin, and in bondage to Egypt as God takes them out of that, brings them and gives them just what Yeshua was saying, the word of God to preserve them in their journey through the wilderness, to then live it out in the presence of God in the land to be a light. And so that is Israel's purpose and calling. And they have to be one. And they're not they're not just zapped out of the world. They are given the word of God to be able to be a light and a witness in the world and um, to be a force for good and uh, to represent God to the nations, basically. So it's the same thing for us on an individual level is what basically I'm trying to get across. And uh, so anyway, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for your word in this day. And as we come to, to the festival of uh Passover and unleavened bread and first fruits, that uh, we would just uh, remember all these things and keep them in our hearts and just uh, bless and thank you for all that you do and provide and that you have delivered us by uh, your perfect lamb, Yeshua, and that we can be uh, reconciled unto you to be a son in the house and that we can keep your word in your way and uh, inherit your blessings. So I just pray that you would... Uh, Continue to transform us by the renewing and washing of your word. And uh, thank you for this Shabbat. In Yeshua's name, amen.